Let's pray. Father, tonight we thank You for Your Word. We thank You that it's true forevermore. I thank You, God, that what You said, You will do. And that not one word that You promised us will go unfulfilled. God, we thank You for a relationship we have with You through Jesus. We thank You for the blood that was shed that made us to be sons and daughters. God, we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Been excited about today. Um, I get to teach in, in different places, but there's something different about teaching with this group. You know, I'm just so grateful for you. Sometimes when you teach... The words come out, it's like they hit people and just fall to the ground. But you all are so hungry for the word that you just soak it up. And it just, it it amazes me every time and it just draws it all the time. Uh, I don't know if you realize just what a special group this is. I mean, it's a very special group and, and you just, you just draw it. You love the word. And, of course, that thrills my heart every time that you just love it. And so Tammy and I are just so thankful that we get to be a part of it. And I'm, of course, extra grateful that I get to teach the Word. Uh, you just receive it. And you just receive it. And that's, that's a, it's a privilege for me. Got a phone call today. Got invited to go to Tanzania this summer uh, to do a pastor's conference and to um, uh, go minister in some churches. So we're praying about that. So if you'd pray with us about it. Uh, hopefully, hopefully that's the will of God. Uh, is that right? Well, see. <laughs> well, we, we we have the I have the opportunity, you know, unless Jesus comes back. Uh, I just have to ask the Lord, you know, what He wants, and I can't de- decide on what I want yet. I know what I want. I don't know what He wants yet. So I'm excited about that. Uh, well, tonight is the last time I'm going to teach this year in this group. Now, I'm not excited about that necessarily, but it's the last time. So in January, the, the series I've been teaching from, I have other messages with it, but I think I'm going to teach a new series next year and that I've never taught anywhere. And so I'm kind of excited about it. I don't have any outlines written yet, so we'll see how that works for us. But I'll give you kind of a, a teaser. This is this is what I thought of today. Um how many of you know that you are the righteousness of God in Christ? Anybody know that? You realize that's who you, you are, the righteousness of God in Christ. Now, do you ever have symptoms of unrighteousness? How do you deal with those symptoms of unrighteousness? You, you are the healed. Do you ever have symptoms of not being the healed? How do you deal with that? I think after the first year we're going to look at that and we're going to find you deal with them exactly the same way. They're symptoms. Symptoms violate the Word of God sometimes. And what has to happen is we have to learn how just like when the devil says you're not the righteousness of God because of the symptom. 
sometimes he says you're not the healed because of the symptom. Anyway, I think that's what I'm going to do next year. And so I think it might be fun uh, to look at that next year. Let me read you this passage of Scripture. We've read it for several weeks, several times in a row. This is out of Mark chapter 9, verse 22. Uh, This is out of the Amplified Bible. A man says to Jesus, but if you can do anything, do have pity on us and help us. And Jesus said, you say to me, if you can do anything, why, all things are possible to him who believes. I think one of the most dangerous things that happens to church people is that they get passive. We think that because we're Christians and that if something is the will of God, then that's just the way it's going to be and there's nothing we can do and it's all up to God. And yet in this passage of Scripture, Jesus said there is something for us to do. The guy says, if you can do anything. And Jesus is like, if I can do anything. He's already done everything. He's paid a price. He's done it all. The question isn't, can he do anything? He said, the question is, if you can believe. When I was in the second grade, I think, maybe the first, I don't remember, it's a long time ago. (laughs) They told us that verbs are action words. In the sentence, I believe, what's the verb? Believe. Believe is a verb. Believe is a verb. Believing is not inactivity waiting for God to do something. Believing is action. Faith is a noun. I understand that. But the the verb form of faith is believe. Jesus said, if we can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. That sounds to me like that maybe I ought to put some emphasis in my life on believing. Anybody need a miracle? Well, if, you, if, if something seems impossible, the answer to that is believing. And understand tonight that there's a difference between believing with my mind and believing in my heart. And that's where we have to get to. We have to come to a place with God. Now, I'm not trying to make anybody feel uncomfortable here because, you know, this is one of those things. We have a symptom of unbelief sometimes. Belief is something that every one of us can do, and it ought to be something that every one of us works on doing. Well, yeah, but we don't do any works. That isn't what the Bible teaches at all. The Bible teaches that because we've been saved by grace, that God has works that he's already prepared for us to do beforehand, that we could live the good life which he's prepared for us. So those works are works of faith and works of God. They're not, they're not dead works. They're works of righteousness. But we need to understand belief is action. So I need to feed the belief. I, figured, I found out a long time ago, either in my heart I have belief or I have doubt. The one that wins is the one that I feed. And if I feed the doubt... What would that be? That would be feed my heart with things that contradict the word. But if I feed my heart things that agree with the word, faith rises. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so the more I hear, whatever I hear, whatever I pay attention to with my heart, that's what I'm going to believe. If I spend all my time 
hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing how bad the Democrats are, my heart is going to be affected by all of that. But if I spend my time hearing and hearing and hearing that Jesus is a healer, Jesus is a deliverer. Jesus is the Savior. I love the story of the woman with the issue of blood. It says, when she heard of Jesus, she came in the press and touched the hem of his garment. She heard something. She didn't hear that he was going to rebuke her. She heard that people who touched him got healed. She heard that he was good. We, we need, if we're going to feed belief... We've got to feed it with things that agree with God's Word. I can't find in God's Word that Democrats are bad. I've, listen, I've tried to find it. I have tried to find it. Now, I'm going to tell you, there's some things that both sides of that aisle believe that contradict the Word of God. All right? And I know I have my opinion about some, but I'm going to tell you what I have to focus on is what will feed belief? What will feed faith? What will feed this relationship that I have with God? What will make it what it's supposed to do? Jesus said all things are possible to him that believes. I need to find out what are the things in my life that are contradicting the Word of God? What is happening to me with me, against me, that it contradicts the Word. Now, that's what I've got to stand against, and that's what I need to find the Word on. I remember my son came home from, from Guatemala several years ago. After he graduated from high school, he went to Guatemala for six months just because. I have, we have missionary friends, and he went down there. And he came back with an earring. Really bothered me. Really bothered me. And so I thought, all right. I am going to go into the scripture and I'm going to pull out about five or ten scriptures that show him why that is wrong. <laughs> Found a half a verse. One half a verse. And then I thought, well, okay, okay. Well, then obviously tattoos have to be wrong too. So I found a half a verse about tattoos too. Of course, the other half says you can't get a haircut. And so I don't know. <laughs> So I had to decide with that, that particular situation, that was a matter of my taste, not a matter of what God said. Right. So we need to find out what, instead of getting angry over him having an earring, because it did make some people mad in my church, mm-hmm. instead of getting angry over that, what does God's Word say that will bring faith into my life, that will help, that will feed my belief? Because we need the miraculous. We need to be able to stand on what God has said. In this age, I'll tell you something, the way healthcare is going, we better believe in healing. And we better know the healer. The way things are going, we need to understand that liberty is not because the government gives it to us, it's because we have been set free in Jesus Christ. We better know some things and we better be able to stand by faith in those areas. And that's going to take feeding that and becoming a believer, not just to get to go to heaven. Listen, that we get to go to heaven, and that's going to be wonderful. But there's some things to do we got to do before we get to heaven. 
And so God wants us to believe. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He said it's within your grasp. We can reach out and take what is in the kingdom of God now because he said it's in our grasp. He said repent and believe the good news. So we can have that from heaven. So that's what our life is about, is believing and living for him now. Because he has this good life prepared for us. It doesn't happen because we assume it. It happens because we believe it. Amen? Amen. I mean, the scripture says that God isn't willing for anybody to perish. But that all should come to repentance. But many people are violating the will of God by not coming to repentance, coming to know Jesus. Many Christians are violating the will of God by allowing the devil to steal, to kill, and destroy things in their lives because they don't know anything about just believing God. See, believe is a verb. We need to be people who believe. We need to learn how to stand on who we are in Jesus Christ. We can't be people in this age. We can't be people who just take what comes. You know, Doris Day used to sing that song, Que Sera, Sera. Well, I'm going to tell you, baloney. <laughs> whatever, whatever will be, will be what God said will be if I agree with him. The moment I allow the devil and the world to decide for me, then that's right. Whatever the devil has decided will be. So we have to, we, we're in a war, the Bible says. The Bible calls it a fight of what? Faith. It's the good fight of faith, and it's good because we win. So we've been talking about just receiving the supernatural. Jesus said, all the guy, he's coming off the mountain. The guy needs the demon cast out of his son. The disciples can't do it. And, and, and he looks at Jesus and says, if you could help me. And Jesus said, if I can help you, if I can do something, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. Cast the demon out. The disciples said, why couldn't we do it? Remember the answer? Because of your unbelief. You see, belief is the answer. We can, faith is a thing that is the channel, the scripture says, for grace to come. And grace will change everything. So we've got to be people who can believe. So we started talking about, we talked about that David, he took control over Goliath. We talked about Elijah took, took authority over the prophets of Baal. I want us tonight, we're going to continue to talk about authority just for a few minutes tonight. Well, I want you to turn to Joshua chapter 10. This is one of the most amazing passages of Scripture in the Bible. Joshua chapter 10, verse 7. This is really fun. It says, So Joshua ascended from Gilgal, he and all the people of war with him, and all the mighty men of valor. And the Lord said to Joshua, Fear them not. For I've delivered them into thine hand. There shall not a man of them stand before thee. They're getting ready to go fight. You realize, the Old Testament's a picture of some things. We have a fight of faith to fight. Joshua therefore came unto them suddenly and went up from Gilgal all night. And the Lord discomfited them before Israel and slew them with a great slaughter at Gibeon and chased them along the way that goeth up to Beth Horon and smote them to Azekah all the way to Makeda. And it came to pass as they fled before Israel and were going down to Beth Horon that the Lord cast down great stones from heaven upon, upon them unto Azekah and they that died and they died. And there were more which died with hailstones than they whom the children of Israel slew with the sword. That was quite the hailstorm. Only on one group of people, though. That's kind of interesting. Then spake Joshua to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, Son, 
Stand thou still upon Gibeon, and thou moon in the valley of Agilon. And the sun stood still, and the moon stayed until the people avenged themselves upon their enemies. Is this not written in the book of Jasher? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven, and hastened not to go down for a whole day. And there was no day like it before or after it, and the Lord that the Lord hearkened unto the voice of a man, for the Lord fought for Israel. Isn't that an amazing story? Now, I believe literally it happened. Research indicates that NASA had to calculate that day into the moon launch because they were missing a whole day because they had to do it exactly right to get to the moon. All right? The story goes like this. The king of Jerusalem, this is before the Israelites had taken all of, all of the land, the king of Jerusalem was terrified of Israel. They had conquered Jericho and they had conquered Ai. I mean, they just came in and wiped two cities out. He didn't understand what the hand of the Lord done. And after that, the Gibeonites came, pretended they traveled a long distance to get to Joshua, and they told him they wanted to make a covenant with him. They brought old bread and worn-out shoes. Y'all remember that story? And they came and they said, we're from, we're from far country, and we hear how great you are, and, and we want to come and make a covenant. And the scripture says that they sought not the mouth of the Lord. That's an interesting statement. In other words, they didn't listen to God. And they said, okay, well, we'll make a covenant with you. And so now all of a sudden, Gibeon is in covenant with Israel, and Israel was supposed to wipe them out. Then they find out that they, that they lied to them, but they're in covenant with them, so they can't kill them now. So it worked out for the Gibeonites. And so when all these, the, the king of Jerusalem hears about it, he calls four other Amorite kings to join him because he's mad now at Gibeon. And he said, you know what? The Gibeonites made a covenant with Israel. Let's go and wipe them out. And so he's going to attack them, and, and they're going to attack them. So Joshua, so the Gibeonites, they're in covenant with Israel. So they send Joshua a message, and they said, oh, the kings are coming to attack us. You've got to help us now because he's in covenant with them. In those days, covenant really meant something. Even they didn't like him, and they had to go help him. So they come, and they're going to go help him. Joshua and the mighty men of Israel. This is interesting. They marched all night to get there. All night. They got there, then they fought all day. And then Joshua, he tells the sun to stand still, and they fought another day. I mean, these are pretty tough people. The scripture calls them men of valor, which literally means powerful men of virtue and wealth. I mean, these guys are there to fight. And it tells us something about authority. It shows us how to operate in authority and how to call for the impossible. We need impossible things. I mean, this was impossible. Joshua commanded the sun to stand still. Basically, he said, stop time and the sun stayed in the same place for 24 hours now that is some kind of authority now we have an enemy who's planning our demise so we're going to have to stand in authority if we're going to win the battle we've been called to so look at Joshua for a few minutes here he exercised authority firstly because he was courageous Apparently, he had a little bit of problem with this because in Joshua chapter 1, three times in the first nine verses, the Lord said, have courage. So apparently, there was something going on because God kept telling him to have courage. It says here in this chapter, in verse 8, And the Lord said to Joshua, Fear them not, for I have delivered them into thine hand. There shall not a man of them stand before thee. Right off, he says, Don't be afraid. Now think about it. 
Five armies are coming after him. Five of them. And God says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Do you know that God's told you not to be afraid? 364 times he told you not to be afraid. Don't be afraid. Let me say the first thing here. You will never operate in Bible authority and fear at the same time. They just don't go together. Faith and fear do not cohabit. You either have faith or you have fear. Now, let me be clear about something. There's a difference between the feeling of fear and submitting to fear. Just because when the Bible says fear not, it's not saying you won't feel afraid. It's saying don't submit to the fear. Sometimes you have to do things afraid. You have a feeling of fear. See, when the Bible says over and over, fear not, it says don't give in to the feeling of fear. Don't give in to it. Now, you gotta be you gotta be wise. You gotta know what the Lord is saying and what the devil is saying. Because you may be at the at the edge of the cliff and the devil may be saying jump. You gotta know which is which. But if God says jump, it's time to jump. And you gotta overcome the fear. When you're in fear, you can't be in faith. Let me just say this worry is a form of fear. We have to know that because if we're worried and we give in to the worry, then we've allowed fear to take hold. My mom is a worrier, she says. She tells me that all the time. She says, son, I, I, I just always have worried. She says, if there's nothing to worry about, I'm worried because there's nothing to worry about. <laughs> and so she needs me in her life because I have to tell her, mom, it's going to happen just like this. Let me tell you how it will happen. And so I go ahead and prophesy to her how it's going to happen. And then she says, well, I hope so. And I say, I know so. But we can't give in to the worry. We can't let the worry run our lives. He overcame. I mean, he was, he was, he was operating in authority because he wasn't afraid. The only way to overcome fear is with the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the Word. Hearing and hearing and hearing brings faith. Faith and fear are opposites of one another. Faith is always manifested by the words that come out of your mouth. If you're talking wrong, you need to step back and begin to find out what does the Bible say. For you or I to say anything that contradicts the Word is arrogance. Hmm. Because it would be prideful to disagree with God, would it not? And if I'm speaking contradictory to what he said, then I'm, I'm making a huge mistake. If We said earlier, if God said, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ, for me to say something different is arrogant. We've mistaken that the devil said, well, it's really humble if you'll go ahead and say, we are nothing but sinners. And I told you about the kid when the preacher talked about butt dust, and we are not that. Remember, the preacher said, we are butt dust in your sight. And the boy says to his mom, Mom, what is butt dust? We are not that. (laughs) We are the righteousness of God. 
We can't allow the devil to tell us. We can't disagree with God. We speak what he says. We've got to take a stand on the word of God no matter how we feel, no matter what it looks like around us. We have to know that. Joshua exercised authority because of what he endured. I mean, these guys... They marched all night. They fought all day. He asked for more daylight. Most, he got, Joshua said, give us more daylight. Most of us would have said, give us a break. <laughs> We'd all been too tired to do anything. Listen, can I tell you something? The devil, he, he banks on lots of things. He banks on one thing. He banks on, first of all, he banks on the fact that he can deceive you. Mm-hmm. If you're not aware of the word, he will deceive you. But he banks, secondly, on the fact that you will give up. He is really convinced that you can stand on it for a little while, but he's not convinced you'll take it for a long time. I mean, he is a very persistent little cuss, man. He, 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 the scripture talks about how that there'll, be a, there'll be a Gog and Magog war before the rapture. Then the scripture prophesies that there'll be another Gog and Magog war that we know as Armageddon. Then the scripture tells us about another Gog and Magog war after the thousand-year millennial reign of Christ. The devil's in charge of all those. He just keeps trying and trying and trying. The thing we have to learn to do is outlast him and stay with what God said. I mean, he, he's not going to quit until we beat his brains out. We've got to be consistent, and we've got to stay with it. Joshua exercised authority by words of faith. I don't know if you read this very carefully or not. Joshua never said, Lord, make the sun stand still in Jesus' name. He never said, oh God, we are so worthless in your sight. Please make the sun stand still. Well, he gave a command to the sun. This is an amazing story. It says he, it says he spoke to God, but he commanded the sun. He didn't pray a single prayer. He made a command. He demanded of the Son that it stand still. When you know your authority and you have a word from God, you don't have to pray. You make a decree. Well, yeah, but isn't that arrogant? It'd be arrogant not to. When you know what God sent you to do, it'd be arrogant not to do that. When Peter raised a lame man at the beautiful gate. Did you notice what he didn't do? Okay, everybody, gather around. Let's pray for him right quick. No. He said, get up. And he took him by the hand and jerked him off the ground. Didn't even pray a prayer. Told him to get up. See, most Christians are busy asking God to move the mountain. Oh, God, move my mountain. Do you know the Scripture never tells us that God's going to move our mountain? It says, if we believe, we will say. It says, we can speak to the sycamine tree. We can speak to the mountain. We, can, we are to make a command of faith against anything that violates what God has promised us. Jesus said this in John chapter 14, verse 12. He said, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me the works that I do, Shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go to my Father. Now here's how we're going to do them. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now that's interesting, because it sounds like we're going to have to ask. The word ask here, literally from the Greek language, means to be adamant in requesting and demanding something. 
here, what Jesus is saying, he's not talking about prayer here. He's talking about doing the works of God. He's saying, whatsoever you demand in my name, that will I do. If you demand anything in my name, I will do it. That's pretty powerful stuff. If I already know the will of God, I make a demand. Not from God. I don't tell God what to do. But I sure tell the devil what to do. When you exercise authority, you know your rights. You make a demand on the devil, on the circumstances that are in contradiction to the word. Joshua exercised authority because he knew God. I love this passage. It says in verse 13 that Israel avenged themselves. But verse 14, it says the Lord fought for Israel. When you know who's who, you know that it may be your word and your authority, but it's God's power that backs you up. You've got to know that. I love it. It says, And there was no day like that before it or after it that the Lord hearkened to the voice of a man, for the Lord fought for Israel. Well, people think, well, see, there it is. It'll, nobody can ever do that again. God will never hearken unto the voice of man again. Well, let me just read you three scriptures. Judges 13.9, And God hearkened to the voice of Manoah. Second Kings chapter 13, 4, And Jehoahaz besought the Lord, and the Lord hearkened unto him. Second Chronicles 20, 30, 20, And the Lord hearkened to Hezekiah and healed the people. What it's saying is there's never been another day where the sun stood still. It doesn't say that God never hearkened to the voice of a man. If we know the will of God, and we're, if we're walking with God, God expects us to walk by faith, standing in authority against the devil. <laughs> And we make commands, make demands. I mean, it, it, we need to know that. What, people say this all the time. <coughs> Excuse me. Well, you know, it's just in God's hands now. Really? Here's what the Bible says. Thus saith the Lord, the Holy One of Israel and His Maker, ask of me of things to come concerning my sons. See, i got to know what is His will. What is he, what's He wanting to do? And concerning the work of my hands, command ye me. God wants to do some things. It's in Isaiah 45, 11. God wants to do some things. But because the church has been silent regarding the will of God, His hands are tied. He wants to do it. Our job is to release Him into the circumstance by speaking in faith. Now let me get, I'm talking fast because my time is already up, but I've got to get to this. I've got to skip something here. Okay, I'm going to tell you the story. In Matthew chapter five, chapter 8, a centurion came to... I just got to read it to you. It says, And when Jesus entered Capernaum, there came a centurion beseeching him, saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home, sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that thou shouldst come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I'm a man under authority, having soldiers under me, and I say to this man, Go, and he goes, another one come, and he comes, and to my servant do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I've not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. That's interesting. And Jesus said to the centurion, Go thy way, as you have believed, so be it done unto you. And his servant was healed the selfsame hour. Jesus found in a Roman centurion, somebody who wasn't even a covenant partner, not yet even a believer in Jesus as the Messiah, found in this man great faith. Why? 
Because the man believed the word had power, and if the word was spoken, authority was demanded. The man believed it. And when Jesus saw that, Jesus connects faith to authority. The centurion said, listen, I understand how it works. All you got to do is speak the word. And when the word is spoken in faith, it will be done. He said, I know how it is because I'm under authority. And when I, that's interesting, I'm under authority and I tell somebody to go and they go. Authority works like that. If we understand who he is, who we are, the word is connected to authority. Faith is connected to authority. If we do not have faith, we will never have authority. We must believe. I'm talking about Bible faith. Faith that's in our heart, not our head. There's a supernatural connection there. I like, here's where I want to get to, really. Where, this is in Romans 3.27, where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? No, but by the law of faith. Now, this verse, is, if you read it in context, is talking about the righteousness that is ours by faith. But it talks about the law of faith. There is a law of faith. When something is a law, it works the same way every time and for everyone when the same principles are applied. If we all got on top of the house tonight and each had a rock... The law of gravity works for every one of us when the same principles are applied because it's a law. The Old Testament is the law of works. The New Testament is, operates in the law of faith. The law of faith. Exercising of authority over the enemy is simply employing the law of faith and will work for anyone. Doesn't matter who they are. They can be the littlest child. They can be the biggest man. The law works for everybody. Exercising authority is making a demand of faith. Anything that God has said, we can make a demand for. Because the devil is trying to hold it back or trying to contradict that. We don't make a demand on God or from God. We can make a demand on the provision that God has already made in the blood of Jesus. Those, that's healing is one of those things. We can make the demand of faith. Today, this happened today, a guy brought me an, a, a, some jewelry to appraise. And I'm looking through these old appraisals, and one of those old appraisals was from service merchandise. <laughs> saw it today, service merchandise. I've told this story before in another group, but I saw that today. Anybody remember service merchandise? Yeah. Remember when you went to service merchandise, this wasn't so much true of the jewelry, but if you went and you bought a toaster at service merchandise, they had one toaster on the shelf, then they had all those cards, remember? And you picked one of them, and you went to the front, and you gave them that little card, and you paid, they, I don't think they scanned it, but they rang it up, and you paid for it there, and then they gave you something. Remember what that was? It was a demand slip. They gave you what they called a demand slip. Something was already bought and paid for, and you took the demand slip, and you went over to the little window, and you handed it to the guy. And you demanded what was bought and paid for. Mm -hmm. Anybody who has the demand slip 
can get the toaster. Anybody. You could buy it, get your demand slip, go out, send your kid back in with the demand slip, and the little kid could walk up and say, Mr., I want my toaster. And you know what they have to do? They got the toaster for you. Somebody upstairs went and got it. came sliding down those rollers, and you got your toaster because you presented a demand slip. That is what faith is about. Jesus bought it. Jesus paid for it. He handed you a demand slip for healing, for deliverance, for liberty, for freedom, for whatever the Bible promises you, you have a demand slip. And instead of just saying, I wish I had a toaster. If I just had a toaster, I'd love to have me a toaster. No, you've got to make the demand for it. I want my toaster. I want my healing. I want my health. I want I want my kids well. I want my family whole. I make a demand now in the spirit realm in Jesus name. I make a demand. You see, you don't you don't have to pray for things that have already been provided. We make a demand in the spirit. I'm not saying God, I command you to do this. I'm not talking that'd be stupid. But God, I believe you and Satan, I demand. You turn loose in my toaster right now. <laughs> we got to do it. That's, that's how faith operates. Faith makes a demand. I mean, you know, you, you got to make a demand. If I put money in your bank account, you can't just say, I wish the money would come into my pocket. No, you've got to go to the bank and you've got to make a demand for it. You've got to sign something. You've got to put in a pen number somewhere. You have to make a demand. That's what faith is. It's, it's, it's making a demand on something that already belongs to you. It's already bought. It's already paid for. That's exercising authority. How does that happen? Let me read you. i got about two more verses to go, I think. Two more passages. But God had chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised hath God chosen. Yea, and things which are not, N-O-T, to bring to naught things that are. God has a way of, 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 of bringing things that don't exist now into existence. To make the things that already exist to no longer have dominion. He has a way to make that happen. See, that's the law of faith. How does it work? It tells us in Romans 4, 17, God who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. God speaks them into existence. He makes a demand of faith. You and I are created in His image. The Scripture says, in, when, when the Scripture says in, in, in Genesis, it says in God... Uh, created, how does it say, created man in his likeness. In, in the Hebrew it says he created another speaking spirit just like himself. We're to be speaking spirits who do what God does. God made a demand. He said, light be. And light became. He spoke it into existence. He didn't plug something in. He spoke it. He calls for things. That's how you exercise authority. You call for things. I'm not saying we're not gonna we're not gonna call for things that we're not gonna say this is and it isn't. We're not gonna say, I'm not sick, I'm not sick. No, no. We already have the sickness. We're gonna call for something that isn't. We're gonna call for health. 
we're going to call for healing. We're not going to, we're, we, the lack may be existing, but we're going to call for abundance. We're going to call for the promise that God made for us. We're going to make the demand, put the demand slip in. The law of faith is exercising authority in the law of change that calls those things that be not as though they were. But we're going to have to stand on what God said. Now, listen, when you're speaking of the mountain, you're saying, in the name of Jesus, I demand, be thou removed and be thou cast in the midst of the sea. It might take you a little time to cast it away one pebble at a time. But if you won't quit, it has to obey you. It has to obey you. If you believe in your heart, it has to. One little story and I'll be done. You know who Smith Wigglesworth is? Mm-hmm. One of the greatest healing evangelists of all time. One time in England, Smith Wigglesworth was standing on the street corner. He was waiting for a bus. A woman came out of an apartment house and a little dog came running behind her. She said, now, honey, you're going to have to go back. And the dog just didn't pay any attention to her and just rubbed up against her leg and wagged its tail. And she said, now, honey, you can't go. And the dog just wagged his tail and rubbed up against her again. And about that time, the bus arrived. She stomped her foot and said, get! And that dog, that's right, Benji. Hey, that dog, he tucked his tails between his legs. And I mean, he shot back into the house. And Smith Wigglesworth, he said he, said, he said he hollered out loud without even thinking, that's the way you have to do with the devil. We have to learn to make a demand. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's pray. Father, tonight we thank you for the demand slip that we have in your word. That God, we have the right and the authority to stand for anything you've promised. And we want you to know, Satan, we're going to serve you. Notice here and now. We're not going to take it from you anymore. We're going to make a demand on the promise of God for health in our bodies for prosperity in our lives in every way. We want you to know right now, we believe what God has said, and we are going to stand on what He's promised us. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God.